0: As always, I have my co-sports editor, Reed Watkins, with me. Uh, how's it going this week, Reed? Really good. I'm excited to talk Redbridge sports. There's a lot going on this past week. We had eight different sports in action. Uh, we'll start with uh, women's basketball. Um, they bounced back from the win streak ending uh, two weeks ago on that Sunday matchup with Missouri State. Uh, they went into Northern Iowa, one of the teams that beat them to open conference play, and uh, Beat the Panthers by two, and an absolute thriller of a game. Kate Bowman, game-winning free throws, and then she got the game-winning stop as well. And then they travel uh, a little closer to Illinois to uh, take on Drake, and uh tough matchup there. Um, after that first quarter, it looked like the Redbirds were in control, and then it just kind of fell apart. They were up 22-13 after the first quarter, and the Drake just took control. I think they ended up winning by uh, 16 there, so... We had talked about this before. They had that five-game stretch, with they're out of now against uh, Missouri State, Southern, uh, Murray State, Drake, and UNI, and those five teams, and they came out of that 3-2, and two, and I think you can be happy with that. Um, those are the, arguably the five best teams in the conference outside of you, and you go 3-2. and two. Uh, You lost by 16 in the one, and then you lost by, I believe it was four in the other, five in the other. So, I mean... I don't think you put your head down at all if you're this IC women's basketball team because you're continuing to play at a high level. I just – teams are starting to decide that they want to shut down one player. And in the past game it was Paige Robinson, and that worked really well for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no time to put your head down if you're this Illinois State women's basketball team. Um, but, yeah, it felt like a spark was missing against Drake on Saturday, and I think that spark was Paige Robinson. Um, I mean, she has a target on her back, as does the rest of the team being the best player on the best team is always going – you're always going to get a challenge, especially um, with how long these teams have had to scout you at this point. Most of them have seen you already. Um, so, you know, it's bound to happen at some point. The What they need to do is just figure out how to avoid that kind of performance coming out um, in the conference tournament because, um, I mean, if you look at these three losses um, – Yeah, three conference losses, you're definitely a candidate for an upset when it gets to um, the conference tournament. So I think they just need to be sure of how they're going to put their best foot forward in terms of um, when it gets to Hoops in the Heartland, getting their best performance in each of those games.
0: Yeah, definitely. Paige Robinson is obviously a spark for this team, so they need her to get going in games like that. Um, This Thursday, tomorrow, is going to be a tough game. UIC is a really good defensive team, uh, the best in the conference, and it's hard to score against them. The last one was a little bit of a scare until ISU uh, pulled away at the end there with a dominant third quarter, I believe it was. But uh, this is not an easy game. In these last four games, you want to think that the Redbirds are able to take their foot off the gas, but they need to keep going. They need to get as much momentum as they can going into the conference tournament. And right now, I mean, I've looked at the tiebreakers, and I think going through it all, it goes down to the fourth tiebreaker right now for the regular season title, which is just basically the net ranking. Um, and you and I would actually take the conference if it came down to that. However, tomorrow, another big game Belmont, you and I. So Belmont, you and I, and ISU are all tied for the lead in the conference. If Belmont beats you and I, ISU takes sole possession because they have the same record as Belmont, but they only played once, and ISU won that matchup. So that's ISU's conference to lose at that point. I mean, you have four games left. They're all winnable games if you play the way that you're capable of playing. If and I beats Belmont, odds are, unless UNI loses another game, which is very possible, they do have, um, I mean, like I said, there's still four games left, so there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but and I will have the lead in the conference if they do beat Belmont. Uh, tomorrow so tomorrow's a big game for the Redbirds against UIC a matchup they can't overlook but they also got a that matchup between Belmont and and I is big for them uh, to figure out seeding for the MVC tournament
1: definitely I mean there's big Bruins fans right now and uh, hope that they can control their own destiny a little bit um, which I think they might have lost that privilege not entirely but for the most part with that loss against Drake but um I mean, this team. It doesn't matter what seed they get. Um, Yeah,
0: last year they were the one seed, right about the exact same time. Exactly, lost four straight or whatever they did, and then uh, come in as the four seed and beat a bunch of teams that they lost to in the regular season. So
1: definitely, just looking forward, hoping hoping they can put out a full, healthy team um, when it comes to hoops in the Heartland. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: Good news for the Redbirds. I mean, you and I, Belmont, two of the hottest teams in the conference. If Belmont beats you and I. Um, and the standings pretty much remain as they are otherwise. I mean, you and I in Belmont, IC won't have to worry about until the uh, championship game if they make it. They'll be on the other side of the bracket. So a lot to go left over these past uh, two or these last two weeks of the regular season, so uh, plenty of action to keep an eye out for. But uh, like I said, they have a couple big games this weekend, UIC, Valparaiso. So um, definitely don't want really to take your foot off the gas, but this is, a, this is an important closing stretch for the Redbirds to maintain some momentum. I'm going to move on to the men's basketball team. Um believe they're at five straight losses right now. It was, let's see, we got Belmont, Bradley, Valpo, Murray State, Indiana State. So five straight losses. Um, only one of those is by single digits, which is a little disappointing. That loss to Murray State, that one-point loss, a heck of a game there. I mean, ISU had a chance there at the end, but a bit of a skid to say, or I'm sorry, that Valpo game was also by five, but a bit of a skid there, but... I mean, I think we could have seen this coming just with the teams that they were going up against. This is a tough stretch of basketball that you're playing right here. It doesn't get any easier tonight against Drake. But you want to be able to find some momentum. So you have this Drake game, put up a fight in this game, and then go into Evansville for senior day. You've got to win that game. And I think more important, a bigger reason that you got to win that game than momentum is seeding-wise. I mean, depending on what the Redbirds are looking at in the conference, I don't know... I doubt they have a preference, but, I mean, you're going to get the 9 or 10 seed. If you beat Evansville, you get the 9. If you lose, you're going to get the 10, unless you upset Drake tonight. Um, and Or Valpo gets a win here in their final two, but they have a tough stretch. Um, so, I mean, that Evansville game is going to be really important for the Redbirds, and they need to get some momentum going into conference play because right now it just isn't looking like the team that we saw coming into conference play, and it really hasn't looked like that team since then.
1: Yeah, um, I... I can't, I've been struggling to put a finger on exactly what it is that's um hurting them from competing against these really high caliber teams that they were like they were able to do earlier in the conference schedule. Um, but it it just hasn't been there for Illinois State and um, I think just that if I were to suggest it was something I mean that overtime loss to Bradley, I mean, that would have been such a huge win for their program. I mean, they had a chance in regulation. And um, I think winning that game, the momentum of your season goes an entirely different way. And they were able to pick up two wins after that game, but um, then when it came back to facing those higher-level teams, it just wasn't there. And it carried over against teams like Valparaiso and Murray State, both winnable games that um, – I mean, Valparaiso didn't really feel like they were in it the entire time. and Not really got, at all. You got that same feeling against Indiana State Saturday. I mean, yeah, it, there's just something missing with this team. And um, it's easy to think, like, you know, there's three games left in this season. Um, obviously, that's just not where the mindset of this team is right now. They want to play um, into Friday, into Saturday. I don't know if they have what it takes to do that. And I'm not sure what adjustments they can make with what they have right now to get to that point.
0: Yeah, definitely. The MVC right now is uh, a lot to figure out still in the MVC. I would say the top five seeds are set as being the top five seeds. I think Missouri State technically does have a chance to get up to that five seed, but a lot would have to go their way. Um, And then you have six through eight can all be switched. And then you have technically – 9 through 11 can all be switched, but a lot would have to happen for UIC to climb up to 10, but it is still possible. And then Evansville is the only thing in the entire conference that's set in stone at being the 12th seed in the uh, MVC tournament. Um, but like I was saying, so I mean, you look at the 9, 10 seeds, Valpo, UI, Valpo and ISU, uh, they can flip-flop. Valpo, I believe, has games against Murray State and Bradley. Uh, they play Bradley tonight. Um, and then Illinois State has Drake and Evansville. So if Valpo loses both, Illinois State wins one. ISU gets the nine seed. And then you look at the rest of the games. You uh, and I beat Murray State. So if you and I wins, if they finish with the same record, then it'll be ISU Murray State. If, and then Valpo, you and I. So a lot of matchups that are actually pretty intriguing because I think a lot of these games are really unpredictable at this point in the season. We've seen that. So far, I mean, you saw Evansville just shut down Bowen Bourne and you and I. I think we're at a point in the season where you nothing is a gimme
1: going into the game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there is going to be some, some madness in St. Louis, and I think the question is just, is Illinois State going to be a part of it? I mean, I think back to the 2020 tournament, and there were upsets – throughout the weekend, but ISU lost in the first round and they weren't able to, you know, be a part of the madness. Um, You got to get past that first round if you want um, a chance at any of these bigger upsets, which they've proven. I mean, they've beaten conference leaders this season. Um, So it's just a matter of putting that together. I personally, I think, I'm not sure what you think, the Northern Iowa matchup would really be intriguing to me. I think that might be... Yeah, both games are really exciting. So I think that's the matchup I kind of want to see, not because I think it's their best chance to win, but I think if there's a team you can figure out, maybe it is Northern Iowa with Bell and Bourne and um, their other scores that have kind of stepped up in quieter games for Bourne in the two meetings earlier this season. Yeah, so I'm a little curious.
0: I wanted to ask your opinion on this. So out of those four teams, Valpo, Illinois State, UIC, Evansville, you have a team that you think would have the best chance of moving on to Friday. And I look at it and I think it has, I almost want to say it has to be ISU because we've seen them do it. We haven't seen. Yeah. Valparaiso beat ISU twice, Evansville twice, and I believe UIC once. I believe that's their five wins. UIC's three wins are Evansville, ISU, Valpo. Evansville's win is over you and I, so I guess. But I don't think they're going to be playing and
1: UNI. So, I mean, do you think there's a team that can make it to Friday? I, that's an interesting question. I think I would take Evansville out of it. I don't think so. I think so They're going to be playing probably Belmont right now, the way it's looking. Yeah. So It'd be a tough matchup. I do not see them doing anything in St. Louis, to be quite honest. Um, UIC, I think they will give their team a game. Yes. Which they have, I mean, that's the story of see this year. They're going to give someone a game. I honestly want to say over Illinois State, I would say Valparaiso. And I think we have Ben Critts. really good. He's dude. a really great player. His, I mean, that's something that travels is like size and skill, um, rebounding, they always say defense. Um, shooting, you're, you can have an off night, and that can be your season if you have an off night in the tournament. But um, this team does rely on a little bit of shooters, Valparaiso. But, I mean, it all goes through Kierke, and he's absolutely impressive and consistent. Um, Maybe my opinion's a little um, thrown off by the fact that we've seen Valparaiso have probably their two best games of the year against Illinois State. Quentin Green (laughs) said his two best games. Quentin Green, absolutely. So maybe um, my opinion's a little skewed there, but I think I would stick with if Any team... Um, in that bottom four is going to make a run, I think Valparaiso could shock some people. Yeah,
0: definitely. A lot to look forward to uh, to the Valley Tournament here. Actually, next week, next Thursday, it'll start. So make sure to keep uh, an eye on that when that gets going next Thursday. All right, we'll move on. Uh, ISU Baseball began their season uh, this past week. They're 2-2 two and two right now. They went 2-1 and one at Austin, PA. Um Lots of runs in that series for the Redbirds. I believe it was 28 total. And then uh, just last night, uh, an extra innings loss to SIUE. Uh, a little heartbreaker there, but the offense, I think, has been a little surprising for this year. I don't know that we thought they would produce at the level that they are this early in the season, because I think we thought the pitching would be what they re- could rely on. And, I mean, 11, 24, so 30 runs so far through four games for the pitching, seven and a half runs a game, but the offense uh, – is at 33, so, I mean, the offense is outscoring, uh,
1: the other teams, which
0: is, I don't know that we saw that coming into the season at all.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been some impressive bats in this lineup. I mean, Greg Nichols, seven hits already, um, hitting 389. Adrian Flores, five hits on 10 at-bats for an even 500. Um, I think Dan Pacella is someone that we're gonna kind of have to get used to hearing. I mean, not that's a bad thing, of, of course, but, uh, He's been impressive. I mean, and that's someone who is coming in as a freshman. I mean, he's 6'3", 235. One of my favorite, I think my favorite baseball quote earlier in the year has been Holmes saying, he is the power um, that most guys do when they're hitting, if they're standing on second base or something like that. So, I mean, he can knock it. And you saw that last night. He had a home run, clutch home run in the top of the ninth to tie the game and then, um, it ended up going to extra innings. They couldn't pull it out, but, um, he's been impressive so far. And I think he's one of the guys that, um, you're going to see, especially as a freshman. Um, I've been very intrigued by the amount of freshman pitching that we've seen. Yeah. There has been a lot of newcomers. Um, that kind of wasn't the narrative going into this year. And then we've seen, um, two freshmen get starts in the first four games and, not necessarily the best outings, but I mean you're getting them that, that experience that you want to see, um, which is nice. Um, Shy Robinson, a little bit of a quiet start from what we what we projected. Um, hasn't had a hit in eight eight tries, um, but obviously he's a freshman and just getting started. He's played in uh, three of the four games and started in two of them, so um, we're gonna see exactly what he's made of. I know. Um, I heard yesterday they're still kind of on the lookout for a first baseman. Um, yeah, because I believe Flores played it last night. Flores didn't he? played it as a as a catcher primarily. Yeah, um, which I don't know if
0: you talked about him a whole lot, but he's having a great start to the season as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's the one hitting five hundred. Um, yeah. which is just really impressive. I, I didn't know his bat was that good. Um, but Judah Morris is out, and um, he is I'm told likely to start at first base. Um, which could be big. I mean, they've had some errors this season. Um, and I mean, he's a 6'3 um, redshirt sophomore that really could be the big target they need when looking um, around the infield, looking to make all those plays at first. Yeah, definitely. So, a lot of ex- pretty exciting start for the Redbird t- uh, baseball
0: team here. Like I said, I mean, I don't think we saw the offense doing what it's doing, but. Won't complain at all. Uh, they got another three-game series this coming weekend as they uh, travel to Arkansas State, um, and then they will host – or they're not – sorry, not host. They will travel to Arkansas then, number three team in the country, for just a one-game series uh, next Wednesday, 3 p.m. So, yeah, I think this baseball team's been really exciting so far this year. I think they got a lot to look forward to, but as we talked about before, I mean, it's a little bit younger of a team um, at some of the key
1: positions, so they're still trying to figure things some – Something's out, so... Looking at that schedule, I mean, it's Arkansas State, Central (laughs) Arkansas, and then Central Arkansas. So, I wonder if that... I would have to imagine that's... They're going to be gone... From
0: Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday, all the way until the following Monday-ish, probably. I
1: mean, if there's a time to figure out what your team is made out of, it's a road trip like that, I mean, they're going to get... I mean, as all these teams do, they're going to get really close, but, I mean, a trip like that, you have no choice but to get close, so... That could be big. I mean, they knocked off Arkansas. It was Arkansas last year. Yep, yeah, yeah. Arkansas last year. So opened that series, I believe. So, um, yeah. I mean, why not do it again, right, in their hometown? So, um, yeah, definitely exciting to this. Um, and I think we're gonna pivot to softball, right? Yeah, and it's a little, uh, a little slower of start for the softball team
0: this year. But I mean, we talked about this. This is a new coach and we talked about it last week, the competition they're going up against. It's just, it's really high level. They are, I think this is good for them because they're putting up themselves up against teams that are always going to compete at a high level. I mean, you took BYU to eight innings. Um, you had a one run loss to Boston university in that first series, a one run loss to Oregon state to uh, two run loss to grand Canyon. So, I mean, they've had a lot of close games. I've been really impressed with Hannah Meshnick, uh, Freshman pitcher, I don't know that we thought she would have the impact that she has at this point in the season with Ross and Fox. Uh, we thought they would kind of dominate the pitching role, but Mejnick, a no-hitter in her first career start, I mean, that's really a really solid start for somebody who we didn't know would be playing at this level early in
1: the year. Definitely. I mean, can't say they didn't tell us because <laughs> Kramos was adamant that all five of the pitchers on staff would have her role, and I was kind of like, you know – you can say that, but you also have Hannah Ross and Amanda Fox coming back who just played really solid, really solid. I mean, you love to have a one-two punch like that, and they just dominated the innings pitched. Um, so I was like, you know, I don't really see that happening, but, I mean, she, she was not bluffing. I mean, it's obvious that Hannah Meshnick is in that um, – Rotation now, which I think really could benefit all the pitching staff. I mean, you want to obviously go out and pitch all you can, but I think it could really benefit each of them to have a lighter workload and be able to, you know, put it all together, I mean, one day instead of, you know, every other day. So, I mean, it's less common, it's less necessary in softball as opposed to baseball, Um which I think is a, a easy comparison to make. So it's not necessarily the same, but um, I think everyone on the pitching staff can benefit and really be confident knowing they have um, so many different people to come in and take their spot. Because last season it was like if Hannah Ross uh, were to have a rough start or something like that, Amanda Fox is right there. and they. But it was pretty much just them yes. there to switch off. So I think having – a third arm, and op- there's two other arms in there too. I think there's going to be a lot lighter workload and a lot um, really ease the expectations of this pitching staff, which I think will help them. And I think
0: that makes it tougher for opposing teams
1: too, mm. compared to only having two pitchers
0: um, going last year to maybe mixing it up a bit more this year. But uh, this weekend, the Redbirds will be take part in their third. Tournament of this uh, spring season already, the third of five before conference play will start. So, uh, another five games for them two against Jacksonville State, two against Western Kentucky, and one against Central Michigan. So, make sure to tune into that because uh, you'll get to see a lot more of Mezjanik, Fox, and Ross on the bump that have been really exciting for this team uh, early on. Um, I'll transition over to swimming and diving. Um, they had their MVC championships this past weekend, and I would say it was definitely a success. Um, Eva Reyes got the uh, title there, and then Madison Morse as well. Uh, so they got diver and swimmer of the year, respectively, in the uh, MVC. So that's a that's a really important accomplishment for these two. The uh, Redbirds got third place as a team, and I think what they were able to do this year is just it can't get overlooked. We talked about it every week, but they consistently performed at a high level, never letting up off the gas pedal.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean. I mean, we talked about Eva Reyes throughout the year, and obviously she is amazing. Someone we didn't talk about as much is Madison Morse, who went on to win three gold medals, um, you know, win three events in the NBC Championships. I mean, just absolutely amazing stuff out of Madison Morse and um, the relay teams that she um, is on as well. I think she got a couple silver medals there, so... Really impressive stuff. I mean, Eva Reyes did her thing. She defended her title in the um, in the one-meter event, took third in the three-meter. So, I mean, she's obviously going to do her thing. She's impressive. Um, but just really solid job from Madison Morris. And then um, also Feltzer. I want to get her first name right. Emma Feltzer um, took home an event win also. So really solid job. I mean, Something I think is really cool is the um, they do the projections right before the championship um, and they were picked to take fourth and they jumped to third. So I think that's always really cool when you can I mean beat those projections that were made just like a week in advance. So really solid outing. Um, swimmer of the year and diver of the year. Um, just really impressive season from Redbirds Swim and Dive. Yeah, and I believe both Reyes and Morse are advancing to
0: the uh, their respective NCAA tournaments, um, which are in the coming weeks. I believe they have a couple of weeks off before those, but just really strong accomplishments for them, and we talked about it all year. I mean, we knew Eva Reyes was going – we're pretty confident Eva Reyes was going to be making that jump, but like you said, we didn't really talk about Madison Morse a whole lot, but she really impressed us down the stretch, and you could see it there in the MVC Championships. Uh, we'll move on to gymnastics. I believe they had their – best uh score of the season or one of them up there this past weekend uh uh and i believe it was alana laster and angelico labat were both received mb or mic i'm sorry honors this past uh weekend for their performances every week they continue to impress us we talked about it last week how the competition they were going up against and they still they actually put up one of their better scores of the entire season because of uh the competition it seemed like they were benefited by it really just the bigger stage they wanted to show up and they did just that and then this past weekend they got a big win over uh, southeast Missouri State so um we talk about it every
1: week but this team just continues to impress us definitely I mean there's just so much energy and um really youth surrounding this team I mean there's some big freshman contributors Narelle Bart Williams um constantly you see her name um and then I mean, Angelica Labatt, she's the senior. She's the leader. She just has not blinked. Yeah, that's where I saw the season high. Impressive. I mean, season high in the all-around. And, I mean, she just takes home so many event wins in these meets. Um, Really exciting. Really exciting what she's doing. And um, excited to see where the team can go after the regular season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they
0: will be back in action this coming weekend. I believe they have a try meet uh, in New Hampshire against Pitt, New Hampshire, and Southern Connecticut State. Uh, make sure to follow along for uh, an update on what's going on there because uh, some bigger competition there, especially with Pitt in the in the mix there. So exciting for them. Uh, we got two more sports. Uh, the next one we're talking about track and field. Um, they closed out their regular season this past weekend at the Friday night special. I believe they had 10 event wins. If I remember correctly, um, a really impressive weekend for them. Um, and then it was, uh, Amari Buchanan, Amiri Buchanan, I'm sorry, who had, uh, the big, uh, performance as he moved into top three in school history with shot put with a throw of 18.59 meters. So another big weekend for them weekend, week out, they are breaking records. It seems like, uh, no matter how many meets they're splitting up to, but, uh, they're definitely a good end of the regular season with the NCAA National Championships
1: coming up here in a couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see how this um, indoor season ends. I mean, you have so many athletes just doing their thing, continuing to break down personal best, school records, um, climbing up those leaderboards. Um, really impressive stuff from this team. I'm I'm just excited to see where it goes, and then they have a whole second season to build on it after that and when once you get outside. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, women's tennis. After that uh, loss they had to Illinois, we said we kind of were curious how they would bounce back because Illinois was some good competition. 6-1 win over Northern Illinois and then a 7-0 win over Chicago State. Um, just dominant performances. Damjanovic and Zlatanovic continue to dominate. Uh, they had a 6-1 doubles win in that win over Chicago State. Uh, but it wasn't just them. Yakolowska uh, and Kolarovic got the doubles point for them as well. Um, and then singles, they're doing their thing as well. So, I mean... Across the board, this women's tennis team is really impressing me so far this season. I mean, your only loss being that uh, match against Illinois where you lost 5-2, but other than that, your closest match that you've been a part of is your 5-2 win over Milwaukee. Everything else has been at least 6-1, so just a really dominant start to the season.
1: Yeah, and it's right back at it um, this weekend in East Lansing, Michigan, to face uh, Michigan State. Um, That's on Sunday, but before that, they have to face Xavier in East Lansing, so... Um, two bigger schools, at least in terms of the sports scene, and um, going to be very interesting to see um, how they, after they bounce back, how they respond against bigger competition. Like you said, they only lost this season coming at the hands of Illinois, you know, a Big Ten school. So um, very excited to see what they can do. And then, um, I mean, I don't know who's going to be able to catch them once they get to Valley play, especially with all this experience they're getting.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that recaps everything that happened this past week. we got another big weekend ahead of us coming up. Uh, a couple of home games, uh, two women's basketball home games and a men's basketball home game, a couple senior nights there. Um, so we got a lot of action going on. So in the meantime, make sure to follow our Twitter account at the underscore vidette and at viddy underscore sports for live updates of all the action and uh, anything else from you read? That's all I got. All right, we will see you guys next week.